0: Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and professor of business administration at the Darden School of Business. Uh, we're going to be talking about COVID nineteen has been and remains a major adaptive challenge for every person and organization. It has illuminated how hard it is for us to adapt our routines, our ways of being, and our ways of working emotionally, cognitively, and behaviorally. Ed Hess argues in his book, Hyper Learning, that with the advancement of technology, the need for humans to excel at adaptation will not go away when COVID-19 is contained. Quite to the contrary, human adaptation will be imperative. Workers will be forced to become hyper learners, a person who excels at learning, unlearning, and relearning at the pace of change. Hess, he has spent more than 20 years in the business world as a senior executive and in 2007, joined the faculty of the Darden Business School as the first Batten executive in residence. He's been featured in Forbes, The Financial Times, Wired, The Washington Post, and more. So his new book is Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change. Welcome to the show, Edward. Nice to have you on. It's
1: great. Great to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: Hyper Learning. First of all, describe what I did, I think, in the intro, but uh, we want to hear it from you. What is hyper learning? Why is it necessarily ne- necessary now, particularly now? Um, and how do we have to read your book, obviously, if we want to understand what hyper learning is? But so, give us a definition first.
1: Sure. Hyper learning is continuous, high quality learning, unlearning, and relearning. And the word hyper, when I use it, is 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 not the If you will, the common use of the word is to fidgety and uh, et cetera or nervous. It goes back to the the Greek use of the word hyper over and above, an abundance of learning, unlearning and relearning. And the reason hyperlearning is so important is that we're in the digital age and we're really at the beginning of the implanting of the digital age into the workplace into our bodies, into every facet of our society, and technology is going to accelerate not only the pace of change, but the pace of new knowledge creation, and going forward, all of the experts are basically saying, what we're really talking about here is, how do we humans stay relevant? How do we stay relevant in the workplace? How do we stay relevant in our society when technology keeps getting smarter and smarter? And the book focuses on how do we human beings, all right, overcome our sort of ingrained ways of being and so that we can basically approach the world more realistically in order to be a, a learner. And... It comes down to that we're going to have meaningful work if we can do skills or do tasks that the technology can do. And those types of skills are very, are basically difficult skills, if you will. They're thinking differently than the technology. Emotionally connecting and relating with other human beings in positive ways. That's going to be one of the key unique attributes of human beings is our ability okay. to emotionally connect, the ability to perform trade services that are
0: required. I want to stick with that problems. ability to, just like, can we go back to the ability to emotionally connect? Because if that's key, and that's number one, if we're going to be able to adapt in the way that you're talking about, mm-hmm. are we re- more restricted in being able to do this, let's say, in the, in the age of the pandemic? Because we how do we emotionally connect? We are online with yeah. people, for instance. What we, are
1: yeah. not, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, with, with the pandemic and we're, we're online, we have to take time to emotionally connect. We have to. And, um, I wrote a piece on this is that le- leading virtual teams is all emotional. So if he, if, if you know somebody that you're talking with, all right, it's always in, let's say you're in a work environment and you're having a, a, an, an online meeting, take 10 minutes and talk personally with, with the people, with the team or with each other. How are you doing? Um, you know, what's well, been challenging. Okay. How are, talk about how's it feel emotionally? We have to emotionally connect. We just don't basically say meeting's going to start. All right, here's the problem. Let's try to solve the problem. No, we need to take 10 minutes and try to basically look each, look at each other and, Make make eye contact, even if it's through the co- computer on the screen. Smile at each other, show that we you know we're we we have empathy. What what are people going through? Is there any way we can help in the workplace? Where where are people having issues? And it's sort of it's sort of bring to bear instead of speed and efficiency. All right, let's slow down and center ourselves, be in control of ourselves, and share ourselves. Then we will be ready to do work, and we will be much more efficient than before because people are comfortable. So you have to make emotional connections part of every meeting, and uh, and this this and this is this this is true even if you're meeting person to person or you're meet if you know at some point in time people will go back to work in some sense uh, and have team meetings. Uh, and companies that I work with that are basically on the journey to hyper learning. Every meeting starts, all right, with pra- practices of everybody making sure they're fully present and taking deep breaths and just calming down and then people basically checking in. Where are you? Where's your head? How's things going? So people sort of know where where is everybody, all right? Oh, so-and-so's got real issues, family issues at at home. Okay, well, we don't t- We'll take that into consideration, and we 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 care about it. And so, you know, we don't. Even, you you may, you may be not at the top of your game because you're worried about your children, or you're worried about your significant other. That's all good. That we can emotionally connect because emotional connectedness, what I call otherness, is so key. Going to be so key in the workplace. All right, because. The are there businesses that tasks. are
0: doing it that you're aware of? Because I can see people yes. do get online. They have Zoom meetings. And it's, okay, let's get down to business, and no one's yes. doing what sure. uh, you've know what been talking about.
1: Yeah, there are some, yes. And I think more and more are moving. Are the majority of companies doing that? No, they're still back in, we'll call it the Industrial Revolution era. Efficiency, 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 faster, better, cheaper, okay? And in the digital area, individual era because people who have work are going to have to do the task the technology can't do, and nobody can do those types of thinking tasks by themselves. They need others, so everything's going to be done in small team work, work environments, and the effectiveness of small teams is totally dependent upon the ability to create caring, trusting small teams where people feel safe with each other so they can have the types of conversations that are going to lead to creative, innovative, higher level, critical thinking, if you will. And you don't get there without basically dealing with emotions because a positive emotional work environment where people feel safe, psychologically safe, where people are not fearful, is a condition proceeding to success in the digital age. And so my book is is has a whole segment on how individuals become hyper-learners, but it also has a segment on how we have to humanize the workplace and bring emotions into the workplace. And I, in fact, wrote an article uh, not that long ago where I made the following prediction. By 2030, at least 50% of the um, um, Forbes 500, okay, companies are going to be led by women CEOs, all right? That basically, that you know, women generally, the science, the research, says, well, oh, you want if you want the best collaborators on your team. Generally speaking, okay, because there are women that are not good collaborators, and there are men that are great collaborators, okay. But generally speaking, women understand collaboration and making making meaning together and relating better than us males do. Well, I think so women have a whole- lot more
0: experience, and I would totally agree with you, and we're talking generally to make those emotional connections which they yes. can bring yep. from the home into the workplace. It's uh, just yes. uh, yeah, a way of thinking. There's one other. the' it's something really important that you talk about in your book because I think this is a key, I, I guess uh, this is is key to what's happening today. Making decisions in environments with lots of uncertainty and little data. Yeah. That's really yeah. key right now. Yeah. So, t- yeah. yeah, how do we do yeah. that?
1: Well, we, 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 we've got to have a, we've got to have, first of all, you've got to have a good team. All right. And they've got to be a team that's a diverse team with different backgrounds because the neuroscience is clear. Okay. I basically go out in the world. And I perceive the world, and what do I see? I see what I believe. You go out in the world, and you see the world. What do you see? You see what you believe. Well, you will believe because of your training and your background, et cetera. You will see things I don't see, and I will see things you don't see. Well, we've got to have people talking about and trying to understand what are people seeing that we don't see, All right. So when there's lots of unknowns, how do you how do you go? How do you basically you go explore? You got to basically hey, what is going on? All right, what what could this mean? All right, what where could this go? What is it? Scenario planning. If If this if this if this, what could happen? Which way should we go? Well, we don't want to bet the ranch day one. How do we basically get more data? Why don't we go? Try something small. Why don't we do like, be like a research scientist? Why don't we have a hypothesis? I believe this is what we need to do. Let's go try it, small, low risk, and see what results. And so how do we start generating, uh, if you will, information that helps us make those decisions? In order to do that, the human mind... The human body, the human emotions have to be in a state that I call inner peace. All right? We have to, the key thing in the digital world workplace going forward is is that human development is going to be, every business is going to be in the human development business. Human development is going to basically be mission critical. Because we have to be able to constantly rewire ourselves and get away from the reflexive autopilot way of being that the science clearly says we all are. So we've got to transform people in order to have people that are comfortable going into the unknown. Instead of going out in the world and seeking confirmation of what you believe, affirmation of your ego, and keeping your stories of how the world works cohesive. You've got to basically go in the world and seek out novelty and exploration. you got to go discover. you got to go basically look for information which disagrees, which would disconfirm what you believe. All right? You've got to basically be a great ask uh, questioner, okay? we got to get away from being good at knowing. we got to be good at not knowing. And that means we have to learn how to ask questions, learn how to defer judgments. And all of that comes, all right? All of that comes about when people are able to take ownership of their emotions, take ownership of their mind, and basically overcome the two big inhibitors of learning, ego and fear.
0: They basically, ego they can and manage fear. Mostly, e- okay. I, at, yeah. Going along with that, mm-hmm. what about the theory of cognitive dif- dissonance, which kind of goes, yeah. <laughs> I think, Is that opposite to what you're saying? You know, we go out there and we want to, as you say, validate what we already know. And it's too scary because we're too fearful uh, to learn something new or to be able to explore. So what do we do do about that? You're right on. Yeah.
1: You're right on. We we, we seek confirmation. So we, we basically have confirmation biases. All right? Confirmation biases. So we 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 seek to confirm what we believe when we see information which disagrees with us we tend to rationalize it and put it in a pre-existing file that's cognitive dissonance all right and so we know that this is this is sort of our our way of being and we have to basically change ourselves we have to accept the science that we're suboptimal learners all right And we have to accept the science that says we can't excel at learning by ourselves. We need others. So we need to be the type of people that others want to help. And we also then have to put in place practices. We have to basically start rewiring how we think. We have to take control of our mind so that we are not multitasking, that we're we're not making up our answers. We're not being reactive. We're not sort of like reflexive. And we can control that. We can learn to do that by basically taking more control over our body and over our mind. All right. And, and, and there's lots of science. This, this stuff works. The other thing we have to do is we have to work on our ego. All right. Most of us were raised and came through schools. And at a very early age, we were told we were smart. Well, who told us we were smart? You know, our parents, but our teachers. Well, how did you get to be smart? You basically got the highest test scores, which means you made the fewest mistakes. So we have basically been raised to basically our ego is invested in what we know and how much we know. All right. And so when people challenge us or we don't understand and are not willing to basically say, you know, there's got to be a lot of stuff I don't know. I need to go look for this. What would it? E- what would I even look for? People don't even ask that question. We have to basically change the definition, or basically change how we identify ourselves. I'm. I have already said the key is not going to be good at knowing. It's going to be the good at unknowing. All right, and knowing how to learn, and it's what I call a concept that I inter- introduced called New Smart. All right. I don't get my ego strokes. I don't define myself. I don't identify my ego with what I know or how much I know. I defined myself by the quality of my thinking, listening, relating, and collaborating. Therefore, I need to start working to be a better thinker so I can think really well creatively or innovatively or critically And I can switch back and forth and know when to use those different ways of thinking. I need to How does that fit
0: into, I'm interrupting you, because how does that fit into our present political situation where we definitely seem to be doing the opposite, which is not good? We, you know, we have people, 50% of the people are on one side of the political spectrum and the other 50% are on the other. And no one's willing to listen or explore, uh, as I say it's it, it's it's the opposite everyone is just that's right you know, yeah that's
1: so right. and then, and that and, and the point you raise is a very valid point because culturally culturally our survival of the fittest competitive culture okay which is at, which is at the base and then if you in, if you lay on top of that divisiveness all right all of that's going to get in the way of decision making quality decision making Adaptation is going to get into the way for our country, for businesses, for any organization, and for people, all right? Because we're going to be facing the same challenges from an adaptation viewpoint of everybody in the world. And our our culture of all the democratic capitalist countries in the world, our culture is the most competitive and survival-fittest of all of them. And we're going to have to basically move from that culture of survival of the fittest and um, et cetera and competition to a culture that goes back really in our ancient history to basically a culture of collaboration and community. And, and we're going to have to become a fact-based, all right, it's a fact-based decision-making culture again. And that's just, that's, you know, that's, you're exactly right. What, what, what we as humans will need to do, we also, in order to do it, we need to be in an environment which enables that. And so culture and, you know, it's sort of like we all got to come together and basically sit back and say, wait a minute, where are we? Where are we going with the digital age? Well, within the next 10 years, in it, somewhere between 25 and 50 percent of the jobs in the United States are going to be automated. Whoa. What are people going to do? Well, we're going to have to create, retrain people, but also create new ways of people having meaningful work in their communities and everything. Well, how are we going to do this? All right, and what kind of skills are we going to need? Well, we're going to need really good emotional skills, thinking skills, managing self skills. Wow, how do we how do we all do that? Well, we're going to all work together, and we're going to instead of be a competitive culture, we're going to have to basically be an inclusive if you will caring culture because all of this is going to take and we've been there be, you know this is this it, there are there are there are companies that are trying to develop this type of culture there are companies that have it there are organizations that have it
0: Which it is, companies it can we like, be, do you, can I'm always interested in which companies are doing it or are attempting to do it I I'm referring it to as the as you said the new smart uh who's doing it
1: Sure sure the, com- the companies that are I'll, I'll, that are on the journey, and some have been on the journey longer than others, are uh, Google, Pixar Animated Studios, Microsoft, um, um, W. L. Gore and Company, um, and then there's some companies that, that I can't name that I'm I'm working with that are actively doing it. That are basically, you know, there's one company I'm working with that's taking the Hyper Learning book and they're turning it into. Um, with my help on an, an online course for all 6,000 of their global employees and their families uh, because I think this ability to be to learn how to adapt and to learn how to uh, think uh, and and listen and engage with others in ways that we're basically being um, pro not only productive but dealing with reality instead of dealing with in effect, self-preservation and, and, and confirmation and affirming our ego and being emotionally defensive when we're challenged. It's a, it's a new way of being and a new way of working. And the, the organizations that do it the best are going to be the organizations that are going to basically be, be successful. I've, I've, I've written a piece which says every business is going to be in the human development business in addition to its core business. If you're not in the business of helping people develop these learning skills, and people just can't work on the skills at home. They have to work at home on themselves, and they have to basically, when they go to work, the workplace has got to be helping them work on their skills because their skills are needed in the workplace that we're talking about. Well, you've about. named
0: two really successful businesses that are doing it, Google and Microsoft, yeah. so I guess those are examples to follow. Um, yeah.
1: Pixar, Pixar Animated Pixar, Studios is yeah. good. Yeah. Pixar is good. W. L. Gore is good, and um, and there's and there's 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 other businesses that have 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 been are are good at parts of it. All right, there are, there are, there are businesses that are good at the the thinking part and the critical thinking and innovative thinking, but you know they're not they're not as good as on the emotional part. And then there are some businesses that are are and so it's it's putting the whole thing together, and it sounds complex. But it's not really that complex because it all comes down to how we behave. It all but comes down to I think it's complex behaviors. in
0: the sense that it's difficult to change, as as you've said, and change people's attitudes. You know, we're, we're just stuck mm-hmm. in what we do. We um, yeah. yeah. Defending and, and, our behavior. The, yeah. So, the, I mean, that's yeah, the challenge. And, and in most of these companies, the, the people who handle emotions are the HR department. And that's it. And they sort of throw all of that right. into the... right. Yeah.
1: And, and, and that's why the, the book is a very practical book, a behavioral book. It's really a book that's science based. It puts out the concepts, but it's a workbook. People have, it's a learn by doing book. If you basically, if you get engaged in the book and you do the reflection times and you actually do the workshops which have deliverable and then you either team up with a family member or team up with friends or team up with people at work. So the book, takes you on a step-by-step journey. And and the book also, you can go to the book website if you buy it and download the The publisher, was very kind and created for me uh, a learning journal, my, my hyper-learning journal, which you can either download in, in print or you can do it digitally. It's 143 page, uh, a 143-page journal that has... The questions and in the in the study questions and room for your answers and then the workshop, your rooms for your answers and then your to do list and then the, the the book is invites people to basically actually get engaged and to start working on. There's a behavioral diagnostic, okay, and then it gives you processes, critical thinking checklist, a reflective listening checklist. All right, how to. How to basically go with the, I will say, the exploring the unknown process, the five-step process. Um, it gives you, you know, how to basically behave in ways that, that that help engender trust. So that's so important for collaboration. And it's very, So there's very no granular. excuse. I guess
0: we only have a minute left. So I want to read. I want to re- um Uh, repeat the name of the book, Hyper Learning, How to Adapt to the Speed of Change, and we have been talking to Edward Hess, uh, author and professor at the University of Virginia Business uh, School, uh, Business uh, Administration at the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia. Uh, Well, there's no excuse not to do it. You have the text right in front of you with hyper learning, right? (laughs) Um, Great having you on the show.
1: Let me let me give people the, the, the book website because there's lots of free stuff on that. In fact, on the book website, okay. they can download chapter. We have 30 seconds, so I would chapter. just give us the website. Yeah. www.edhess.org.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Ed. Great having you on the show today. Thank you
1: for having me. Yeah. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.